The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com, or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Hey, Grace, Pastor Grant here. I am so glad to be with you and being able to bring the message today. I'm so excited. You know, I haven't preached in like seven or eight weeks, so I'm really, I'm really got like a lot of preaching energy pent up in me, if you will. So I went ahead and talked to Felix. He edits all of these for us. He said he's just going to let me go as long as I want. All right. So, so just get ready. I'm feeling, I don't know, like an hour, an hour to tops. All right. So let's just, let's just get after it together. Okay. Now for the rest of you who didn't immediately turn the feed off, let's, let's get into the scriptures today. Now we've been talking about pray, serve, give, and gather. And this week we're talking about give. And the, the text we're going to use comes from Philippians chapter four, and we're going to start there in verse 10. So let's read that together. If you have a Bible, turn to Philippians 4. We're going to look at verse 10 through 20. Let me, let me just read this for us now. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my, in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I've received everything in full. And I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we, uh, as we continue in our time together, let's go back to verse 12. Let's look at that together. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Immediately right here, we see that there's two different categories where he says, I have figured out how to make it through these two different categories. I figured out how to make it when I'm well-fed and I figured out how to make it when I'm hungry. I'm gonna say those two categories are, are being in plenty or being in abundance and being in need. Or a word I'm gonna use today is scarcity because I think it's something we can all relate to right now. Because a lot of people, you're dealing with scarcity. Some of you, uh, you've been furloughed from your jobs. Some of you, you've, you've lost your jobs, right? And so there's real financial scarcity for you right now. For some of us, it's just opportunity scarcity. Like we can't leave our homes, right? Like, like the only time I leave my house, honestly, is to come up here and to do this. Like I am, I'm having the time of my life right now because I am outside of my house. But like typically I don't leave my house just like you. And so we have this opportunity scarcity. And I don't know about you, I, I've noticed something weird about this is that the less opportunities I have, like immediately I miss things I knew I would miss. Like immediately I was sad that I couldn't take my kids back to Disney or I, I couldn't go to the restaurants I wanna to go to or I couldn't go to Plant Street Market or see my friends or whatever. But you know, like, like further into this thing, like week, week six, week seven, I started to miss things I didn't know that I would miss. Like I drove by a Chili's and just burst into tears. I was like, I just wanna be in a booth, all right? Like I need a skillet queso to feel better, right? But, but that's what I'm talking about is during this time, we have the scarcity. We have the scarcity of, of a lot of different things. But what I, what I think is that even before this time, we live in a culture of scarcity. And you go, hang on a second. In America, we're, we're all wealthy. We're wealthier than all the other nations. I, I get that. I get that. What I'm saying is we live in a culture where we believe 
that, that we never have enough. We, we believe that. And, and to prove it to you, let me just say, like, if you're out there and, and you've been furloughed, what do you want more than anything right now? You just want your job back. And, and I hope that that happens for you. I hope you get your job back. But when you had your job before this happened, was it enough? Or, or were there other things you're longing for? Were you in that job going, man, if I could just have a raise or if I could just have you know, more freedom in my work or whatever it is. That's what I'm saying is we live in a culture of never enough. You know, last year, Apple released three iPhones, three. Why? Why did they release three of them, right? Because they were all unbelievable groundbreaking technology? No, I don't know why. They, I don't know, one for each hand, one for your pocket in case you drop one. Like, why did they release three? Did you know in 2020, this year of disaster we're living in, did you know they've already released an iPhone? There's another one, right? Like Apple was like, look, there's this difficulty coming, all right? There's, there's coronavirus coming. We've got this pandemic. We know what you need. Yeah, is it healthcare? No, 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 you don't need that, all right? Is it ventilators? No, no, no. You need the new iPhone XFL RTS, right? Does it do anything new? How silly of a question. Of course it doesn't. But it comes in a different color and you need it, right? Like we live in this culture of scarcity, live in this culture of never enough. It's e- it even hits my kids. Like my kids understand, I'm sure yours do as well. My oldest son, he plays a game called Fortnite. And uh, for the parents in there who just like, you just, I-, I could hear your groans all across Central Florida, right? But my oldest son, he plays Fortnite. And, and uh, since he's been out of school, we're good parents. So we limit his playing time. Uh, nothing over 12 or 14 hours. So he's been playing a lot. Uh, and in the game, you can buy these things called skins. And, and what it is, it's not as scary as it sounds. What it is, is you can change your appearance in the game. Now, does it, does it help you? Does it make you better in the game? Absolutely not. But it costs money. So it makes them better by us paying for the game, right? So my son comes to me the other day and he says, dad, uh, there's this skin that just got released and I need it. They're like 20 bucks. He's like, I need it, all right? And I was like, well, what is it? What does it do? And he goes, it turns me, listen, wait for it, purple. And I was like, that's awesome. It turns you purple. So what else does it do, right? And he goes, no, that's it. It turns me purple. And I go, you want $20 to turn yourself purple? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, son, listen, yesterday, I, there was a deal on one of these. It was a $5 skin and it gave you all this other stuff. And you came to me and you told me you needed it and I, and I got it for you. And here we are again, son. No, absolutely not. And I believe, son, that tomorrow there's gonna be another skin and you're gonna be just as passionate. He's like, no, dad, do you understand? Purple, right? And I was like, all right, no, it's not happening, bro. It's just not happening. So he leaves. Well, he comes back the next morning, he wakes me up, all right? The next morning he goes, dad, I just opened Fortnite. Guess what? There's a new skin. And this one, listen, dad, listen. I know the other one, purple. Who Forget purple, all right? We're talking red, all right? Like, dad, it is red, right? And, and I just look at him and he, he, goes, he goes, will you get it for me? And I go, you know what? I will get you, son. I'm gonna get you an MRI because I'm really worried that you don't understand how this works. But that's what I'm saying is that all of us, all of us understand that we live in a culture of never enough, right? Like scarcity. That's, that's always something that we believe about our lives. And so what's the solution to that? Isn't the solution abundance? Like wouldn't the solution be to have more, to have more than enough, right? Isn't that the opposite of not enough would be more enough? And and what I'm saying is no. I think scarcity and abundance are two sides of the exact same coin because neither of them will lead you to a place of contentment. Neither of them. Not having enough and having too much. It won't lead you to a place of contentment. You know what Jesus said about abundance? Jesus said that you can gain it all. He says, you can have more than enough. You can have the whole world and you can still lose your soul. So what's the solution? If it's not more than enough, what's the opposite of scarcity? If it's not abundance, the opposite of scarcity is enough. That's what it is. 
And there's another word for that that we're going to use. And, and, and what is that word? Well, let me tell you the story, and, and maybe you'll, you'll figure it out. Uh, last year, we had some people at the Winter Garden campus come to us and say, hey, look, we've got a beach condo that's in our family, and we want you to use it. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. And they're like, and we're also going to keep your kids. So you, you and Angel just go to this beach condo for a couple of nights. We're going to keep your kids for you. I'm telling you guys, I got out of there so fast. I created like a Roadrunner-esque dust cloud of myself. You know what I'm talking about? Like I was out of there. And Angel's like, what about the kids? I was like, they're strong. They'll be fine. And so anyway, like we get to the beach. And let me tell you this. That first morning where we were on the beach, we get there. We've got the beach chairs in the sand. We've got the, the umbrella up, right? I've got SPF 1000 on. And we have like the sun is shining and blue skies. It's just beautiful out there, right? Like we got a cooler for everything that we need for that day. And we're just... We're just having a great time. And can I tell you, like in that moment, it was enough. I didn't need anything else. And I'm serious about that. I didn't need anything else. Like if a dude walked up to me on the beach and was like, hey, my name is Jack and I own Jack's food on the beach at this beach. And I would love to give you this coupon for free lunch. You'd be like, hey, Jack, man, that's really kind uh, and, and weird, quite frankly, that you'd offer that to me. You don't know me. But Jack, thank you for that offer. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm all good. If Justin Bieber rides up on a jet ski, and he's like, Pastor Grant, because that's what he would call me if we ever met. He goes, hey, look, Pastor Grant, I listen to your sermons every week. And I'm like, I know, Justin, what's up? And he goes, hey, hop on the back of my jet ski. I got my yacht out there. I'm gonna take you out there. We're gonna have lunch together. I would go, Justin, Justin, look, I'm good, man. I'm good. I got everything I need right here. And he'd be like, what? I can't believe you're saying this to me. Are you not a believer anymore? I'd be, Justin, why do you even say that? Of course I'm a believer. But look, what I'm telling you is I've got enough. And so how would we describe that? Like, what's another word for that? I would say content. Like, I'm telling you, in that moment, I was completely content. It was enough. Like, I had enough, right? And the Apostle Paul uses the exact same language of the church here in Philippi. I want you to look at the scripture with me. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be what? Content. I've learned that I have enough, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of having enough in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's what he's saying. Like content, I have enough, right? And, and I got to be honest, my illustration of going to the beach with my wife, it's not a perfect illustration of contentment because like eventually we need other things. Like it's not going to be always enough. Like eventually we're going to miss our kids. We're going to miss our family. We're going to miss our church. We're going to want to go home. And, and also just to be like practical about the whole thing, we're going to need refills at some point. You know what I mean? It's just not sustainable, okay? It's not true contentment. So what is this contentment that Paul says he has whatever the circumstances? How in the world can he say, I have enough in whatever the circumstance? What is that contentment? Where does it come from? Well, verse you're probably really familiar with. So let's put it up here. It's verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's what he's saying. That's the secret. If you want to be content in all things, the Lord will strengthen you in Christ. If you look to Christ, you will have enough, even in plenty and even, and even in want. You will have enough. And you're going, hang on, Pastor Grant. That's not about contentment. This verse is about football. I know what you're thinking. I get it, but it's actually not. And you're going, hang on a second. You tell me Tim Tebow is wrong? I don't know, maybe if he told you that. Do you know him? Do you talk to him regularly? But I, no, that's, that's not necessarily what it means. It's not gonna, and you're like, you're talking about Tim Tebow right now? That man taught me how to pray and pose at the same time. I get it, but that's not what I mean. That's not what this is talking about, that you can do anything. He's saying, this is the secret to contentment. 
is looking to Jesus and he'll give you that strength. In fact, do you want to apply it to football? You absolutely can. Don't throw your cleats away. Just listen, you can. Here's how you apply it to football. Not before the game. You apply it after you lose the game. That's when that's applicable. If, you, if they get to the Super Bowl and they lose and they come to you, they go, you worked all season, you worked so hard in the playoffs and you came up empty-handed. You, you lost, you, you, you lost the big game, right? Then it would be appropriate for them to say, you know what? I can do all things through him and gives me strength. I'm content. I have enough even right now. Then it's cool. So, so put it on your eye black, but only after the game and only if you lose, all right? So Steph Curry, I'm watching you take those shoes off. Anyway, so that's what this is talking about is contentment that as we look to Jesus, as we place our focus on Jesus, as we place our trust and our delight and our affection in him, then no matter what the situation, he will strengthen us to be able to say, I have enough. That's what this contentment looks like. And you go, what? Okay, Grant, at the beginning of this, you said you were going to talk about give. Apparently, you haven't preached in a long time because that, this, this isn't talking about give. Like, how does this connect, all right? How does this make sense? Well, I think that the, the proper foundation for true Christian giving comes from contentment in Christ. I think when we look at Jesus and we say, you are enough, you are all I need, then guess what? We can let go of everything else. When we look at Jesus and say, I just need more of you, like in this situation, you are the answer and I wanna grasp tighter to you, then we can let go of everything else. And we see that. We see this contentment inspire generosity and the church here in Philippi. Look at verse 18. Let's start there in verse 18. He says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Let's stop right there. So Paul's saying, I am amply supplied. I've got full payment. I have more than enough. So this church, some in their poverty, some in their abundance, some somewhere in the middle, no matter where they were, they were so content in Christ that what? That they let go. That they say, God, you are what matters to me. You are what I need. That's where I'll find my contentment. That's where I know I have enough. And so God, are you doing work over here with Paul? Well, here, take my resources, take my time, take my energy, right? Because you are what I need. You are enough. And can I side note real quick, like just like side pastor sidebar, if you don't mind. Do we have a special sidebar camera over here? No, we don't. Okay, anyway, let me sidebar real quick. I think this, this sentence right here, these two sentences right here, this is what every church, every Christian church in America should say every week. Like we should be a place where we're going, we have full pain, we have more than enough to do the ministry of the church. We are amply supplied to do the ministry of the church. And the reason we should be able to say that and these other Christian churches should be able to say that is because we, we should be a congregation of people who are content in Christ, a congregation of people who are looking to Jesus, no matter if we have a little, no matter if we have a lot, no matter if we fall somewhere in the middle, we should all be a congregation of people looking to Jesus. And then out of that response to that contentment in Christ, we, we let go and we give. And that's what happens here. And look at the, the last part of verse 18. Look at how their giving was affected by their contentment. It says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. A fragrant offering. This was an act of worship for them. They believed so, like, so full in their lives. They believed that Jesus was enough, that they let go as an act of worship. It was an act of worship for them to say, Paul, you need more. God's, God is at work in your life and he's doing this in the ministry. Let us be a part of it. Let us give. We wanna be a part of that. Where's that coming from? It's coming from worship. It's an offering to God from them, right? And that's what happens with us as well. That's why at Grace, we always say that we believe in big hearted generosity 
that what? We prioritize giving to God's work over protecting ourselves. We prioritize giving to God's work. Why do we set that priority? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he saying? That if we follow your treasure, we find your heart. If we follow your treasure, we find what you're putting your hope in. We find what you are trusting to, to, for contentment, what you are looking to, to, to bring you to a place of contentment, to bring you to a place where you say, I finally have enough, right? And we believe that Jesus is that place. We believe he's the only one that, that we should be looking at. So what we do is we take our treasure and we set a priority and we, we give an offering and, and we, we give an act, it's an act of worship for us. We say, okay, God, you are enough and we are setting you as our priority. And so when you follow our treasure, where should it end? It should end at our source of contentment. It should end in Jesus, right? And this type of giving, this type of, of generosity that was flowing out on this worship, you know where it came from? It came from a place of trust. We say it all the time here at Grace, or Pastor Mike says it a lot. He says, money's never about money. It's always about good as a head. Sorry, he has a lot of sayings. Money's never about money. It's always about trust, right? And that's where this is coming from. Look at verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. They gave why? Because they trusted They trusted that God would be there for them. They trusted that God would provide for them, right? They said, Jesus, I think you're enough. And in fact, I trust that you're enough in everything. I trust that I will be content with you in every situation, so much so that I can give because I know you're gonna be there for me. I know you're not gonna leave me hanging. I know you got my back. I know you're gonna provide for me, right? So they demonstrated their trust in Jesus through their giving. They demonstrated their trust that he was enough the way that they give. So, so let me ask you this. Does your giving demonstrate trust? Does your giving demonstrate that you really trust that Jesus is enough? That you really believe that contentment is found in him and in him alone? And the reason I use that word demonstrate is because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. What that means is we can talk all day about faith, right? We can say, oh, I trust you. I, Jesus, you, will, you are enough. You absolutely are but it's not real. That faith is dead. It's not alive. It's not active. It's not doing anything for us or anybody until we act on it, until we do something with it. And that's what I'm saying. The giving that you are doing, the action that you're taking, is it demonstrating your faith? Isn't that? Is it demonstrating you really trust that Jesus is enough and he's what you need more than anything? To, to kind of illustrate that, I want to tell you a, a quick story. My, my youngest son, um, he's been to the dentist a lot. He has terrible teeth. Um, and that's my fault. He has, that, he has my genetics, not my wife's genetics. My wife can forget to brush her teeth for five days in a row. Somehow her teeth will be whiter. Uh, her enamel will be stronger. I don't know what it, maybe she's bit by a radioactive tooth when she was a kid. I don't know what happened there. My teeth, I could forget to brush my teeth one night. In the middle of the night, all my teeth look at each other and go, well, time to die, guys. Like that, that's just, that's just the way it is. And my youngest has the same problem. Well, we took him to the dentist a lot at the start of the year. He had several teeth pulled. Um, just because he's so young and they had cavities and they were like, these are deep cavities. We just got to get them out of here. And so it was traumatic. Like he, he, really, he really had a terrible time at the dentist. And so he's developed this fear of going to the dentist. I mean, you would too, right? If every time you go, they're like, we're going to yank something out of your head now. So, so he went through that, right? Well, the last time I took him to that dentist, I had a, I, I had a negative experience, let's say, with the dentist that was there. And, and, uh, and so I said, I told my son when we left, I said, we are never coming back here. I'm ne- we are never going to sit in the same room with that person again, right? 
And so I said, I'm going to find you a new dentist. So I did. So I found him a new dentist, and he had to go get one of his spacers kind of repaired. Um, and so we, we took him to the new dentist. And, and on the way there, he's, he's asking me question after question. I can tell he's nervous. He's five years old. He's, I can tell he's nervous. And, and I finally said to him, son, I'm going to be there the whole time. I'm not leaving the room. I'm right there next to you. And I'm telling you, if this, if this doctor doesn't turn out to be good, if this dentist doesn't turn out to be good for you, I'll yank you out of that chair. You and I, we will go get candy together. We'll all have cavities, all right? Like that's the direction we're gonna live our life from now on, right? We're from Tennessee. We can get away with it, right? So anyway, that's what we're going to do, but I'm with you. So we get in, he sits down in the chair and the, uh, the dental assistant, hygienist, the dental person, the other person in the office, I don't know the title, the other person in the office was amazing with him, amazing. Like she did the cleaning and she took the x-rays and she was fantastic. They're sitting there talking about Paw Patrol and PJ mask and all the things that get to my son's heart and, and he's just having a great time. And then the dentist walks in and he knows it's the dentist, right? He knows that's her right there and everything shifts for him. He has like, his eyes get real wide. You can tell he's about to cry. He's really like, he's really tense. His shoulders tense up. He even inches over to the side of the chair like, as if he's going to jump off and run at any point, which out of all of my kids, he would be the one to do it. He'd be the one to get away, all right? So he's, he's kind of inching over it, but then he looks at me. He looks at me right in the eye and I look at him and I said, son, I'm right here and it's okay. It's okay. This is good. This is gonna be so good for you. She's great and she's gonna do exactly what I need her to do for you. And this is gonna be great. You're okay, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere, right? You know what happened? Immediately he relaxed. Immediately his shoulders relaxed. He, he, he wasn't crying, he wasn't screaming. He shifted back to the middle of the chair. You know what he was doing? He was demonstrating his trust in his dad. He was demonstrating his trust in his dad. He was saying in that moment, he said, okay, I, I believe that you're here for me. I believe that you know what's best for me and I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna trust what you say right now and I'm gonna relax. What I'm saying to you is, what is your next step in giving? What is your next step in demonstrating that trust to him, right? Like, like do you, what, what is the step you need to take to take it from just saying, I think you're enough to believing and living like he actually is? Because I think, I think what God's saying to a lot of us now in giving is the same thing that I said to my son. I think he's saying this to you and to me. He's saying, I am enough. I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm providing for you. This is for your good. And I've got your back. Your dad is here. I've got you and you've got me. And that's what he's saying to all of us. So, so again, let me ask you, what is your next step in giving? Is it, is it back to the, the contentment issue? Are, are, if you follow your treasure now, is it revealing that your heart isn't where you thought it was? Your heart is actually trusting other things for contentment. Well, re, well, like praise God that he revealed that to you today and repent of that and make a change. Or is your next step in generosity just to tr demonstrate your trust in God and as an act of worship, give, to be generous, to meet needs, to support the work of God, right? And so, you know, we offer a lot of different ways that you can join in what God's doing here at Grace. If that's your next step, you can give. You can go to discovergrace.com forward slash give, or you can use the Grace app and you can give. You can join in what God is doing in this church and through this church during this time. And he's doing a lot. You know, we are, we're taking those, those gifts that you're giving. We're taking the gifts that God's providing through his people and we're sending that back out. 
We're going into the, the COVID units and we're bringing in hot meals once a week to the, the nurses and to the doctors, the, the professional medical staff that's there and we're trying to provide for them. We're going to the schools that are in our areas and we're, we're, we're asking them, hey, look, are there any families that are food insecure? Can we handle that? And we're, we're taking care of the meals for them, right? We're, we're providing benevolence more now than, than ever as people are coming to us and going, we need help during this time. We're, it's a time of scarcity. We need help, right? And so we're providing a lot of things. And so if you wanna be a part of that, then give as an act of worship, as a way of saying, God, you are enough. I wanna be where you are. Then give, if that's your next step, then I would encourage you to give. And so again, for all of us, no matter where you are, in your next step of giving, in your next step of, of, of being generous towards what God is doing in the world around us with your resources and with your time, I encourage you to, to not give from a place of, of compulsion, to not give from a place where you say, you know what, if I give, then I'll be content. You know, if I, if, I, if I give a little bit more, even though I have a little, then I'll be content. If I give a little bit more, even though I have a lot, then I'll be content. No, that's, that's not it at all. We don't give to get, all right? We give because we have gotten, because we have received so much from Jesus. We give because we look at him and we say, you are enough. And so we give. Well, I'm excited to see how God continues to grow all of us in generosity during this time. And I'm excited to see how we as a church will continue to let go and let go as we grab more and more of Jesus in our, in our day-to-day lives. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that no matter our circumstances, you are enough. There are people in our lives and people watching this right now who are seriously in a place of scarcity. And maybe there's fear there and maybe there's, there's anxiety there and there's worry there. Uh, maybe there's pain there as, as they lost a, maybe a job they've had for so long, a job that even part of their, maybe their identity was attached to, Father, and it's been a painful time for them. I wanna pray comfort on them. I wanna pray for blessing for them. Um, but God, ultimately, I wanna pray that you would fill them with this knowledge that you are enough. And Father, for, for those who are in a, an opposite situation, I pray, Father, that, that the gifts that you've given them, the abundance of blessings that you've given them in that way wouldn't become a trap, but instead they would look away from those things and look to you and say, you are enough. And Father, for all of us, that our response to, to being content in you, our response to looking at you and seeing you as everything that we need, would be the same response that we saw here in this church in Philippi, would be the same response the Apostle Paul is teaching us, which is that we would let go, that we would let go, that as an act of worship, we would say, God, I don't need to protect myself. I don't need to hold on to these things. I trust you. I love you. So here, take this from me. Take this gift from me. And so Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship in this way. We thank you for the opportunity to participate in what you're doing in the world around us through generosity and giving. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.